Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Adam Jones, today joined by Joe Thomas and Chris Beasley. Uh, we're not just recording this podcast today, we're live on Facebook. So uh, in the future, if you're listening to this on your podcast apps, make sure that you're following on Facebook as well. So make a little notification and be able to see our, uh, our lovely faces as, <laughs> as, we're, as we're talking about Everton. And of course, we've got a lot of talk to, to talk about today. We've got... Injury news, transfers both in and out to talk about and an important game against Brentford coming up at the weekend as well. But uh, we'll start with a League Cup game against Fleetwood. Chris, you were there for us in yeah. in that tiny press box in Fleetwood that, did, we, yeah. that we couldn't get two of us to. We could, yeah. only, we could only get one of us there in the end. Uh, what did you make of Everton's performance in the end? Yeah, that's what I was to say about that. I mean, it was doubly annoying when I saw all those empty seats behind us, but that's an issue. Yeah, the end was packed out. Um, yeah, well, it was job done, and uh, it was a, vent- a potential banana skin avoided, and I suppose you can't sort of underplay that in the respect that Everton really have been struggling in the final third. It was a tail of the season. Again, Everton neat and tidy on the ball, and not a great deal of punch up front. Fortunately, they got the one goal that they, they needed. I mean, Damari Gray, who wasn't even going to be in the, the 11 until Tom Davis pulled up injured in the, in the warm-up. And then, I mean, I mean, it was a sort of a double switch. And Awobi went back to that central midfield role. He's been excelling in this season and ended up setting up the, the winning goal for, for Damari Gray. I mean, there's plenty of positives to take from it. You know, it wasn't comprehensive victory. I know Everton had won their 5-2 during lockdown when there were no fans in the stadium and wasn't sort of a gold glut like that. But uh, Amana, um, uh, sorry, Amadou Anana making his, uh, his, his, his full um, debut there, first start for the club. I mean, uh, Frank actually thinks it would be a good thing that he uh, came through quite a lot of robust challenges. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, tar- they targeted him, um, Scott Brown's um, hatchet men, as it were. Um, <laughs> Um, Who's shocked? Yeah, there's um, <laughs> they, that infamous line isn't there, from the film Alien in Space. No one hear you scream. Well, from their Fleetwood press box, you could hear an arm screaming on several occasions as he chopped that down. But thankfully, he kept getting back up again. And he, he saw out the, the 90 minutes and Everton um, saw themselves through to, to, the, to the third round. So, yeah, the youngsters as well, the debuts there. The, the, uh, the boy Welsh, I mean, he was commenting that he's going to be a big lad when he grows mm-hmm. up, isn't he? Yeah. Um, already um, 18 years of age, a bit of a man mountain there, but even taller than Anana, possibly. And uh, the two um, lads there who um, came on as um, sub- substitutes uh, as well um, at the second half. So, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of pluses that Frank took from it. I mean, you could see afterwards he was still frustrated with the way it is for Everton in the, in the final third. That um, just lacking that um, potency another game for Rondon to, to go up top and he, he led the line well again but again off target with all his 
his finishes. So it, it was job done. It wasn't comprehensive, but I mean, at least Everton got through and they kind of kept Fleetwood at, at arm's length. Mm. I mean, Joe, we won't dwell on it too much because, you know, as we're recording on Friday afternoon, it is a couple of days ago now. But I think Bees is quite right in what he says there, isn't he? You know, it's all about in these early rounds of this League Cup, at least just getting yourself into the next round of the draw. And on top of that, got some nice debuts for the likes of Reese Welch. Uh, Warrington came off the bench, Stanley Mills came off the bench as well. It's important minutes for those kinds of youngsters to yeah. uh, pick up, isn't it? Um, absolutely, it is. You know, I think that, yeah, there, there, there are plenty of positives to take from it. Obviously, it would have been nicer if Everton won more comfortably. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that would have um, would have been far better for all of us. We'll have a lot more confidence going into you know, what has been quite a stuttering start to the season already. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, it was a potential banana skin, to use the cliche. Everton are through to the next round of the cup. That's the most important thing. And not only have they managed to give some debuts to some players who really deserved it, Reese Welsh, Lewis Warrington, Stanley Mills all had very good summers. Um, and they've been knocking knocking on the door of the first team for, for a while. I think one of the big questions, albeit probably not top-tier question, but things that will be interesting in the next final days of the transfer window will be what happens with Lewis Warrington and Stanley Mills. Do they stay with the squad or do they go out on loan? A lot of talk so far has been that they might stay with the squad for, for this season. And, you know, Lampard has certainly been impressed with them. I think we'd be happy to do so. He's, he's certainly keen on them enough to not, be willing to make a decision before he knows what his squad looks like right at the end of the, of the transfer window. It's only then that he'll consider what happens. Um, but yeah, also crucial just to get minutes in the legs. Uh, I think we, you know, Everton's injury problem is 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 well known, and they have a lot of players that are coming back from injury. You know, obviously, I mean, Tom Davis was someone who would would benefit. Obviously, he played against um, you know, he played against Forest on Saturday, but more minutes in his legs would be good. Obviously, that didn't happen. But Amadou Inanna in particular, you know, it was good to see him get minutes in the legs. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's one of those where, you know, you can't get too excited about it, but it's something that could have gone wrong and didn't go wrong for Everton. Mm. Uh, a time when lots, yeah. <laughs> you know, it feels like we're on a run of the uh, last six months or so where everything that can go wrong will go wrong. But uh, fortunately, Fleetwood away, that didn't happen. Mm. I mean, I'll stick with you, Joe, because you have quite rightly brought up the transfer window. And yeah. I think that's what... That's what a lot of people are going to be tuning into this <laughs> podcast for. Uh, you were at Frank Lampard's press conference mm-hmm. this morning, and we'll start by talking about the potential outgoing transfer. Anthony Gordon, of course, is yep. still the name that's on many lips over the course of the past few days and weeks. Uh, Rumours of a Chelsea £60 million bid kind of shot down, really, by Frank Lampard, weren't they? And uh, he maintained quite a strong Everton stance, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, he's he's been adamant for a while, uh, he doesn't really want to let Anthony Gordon go. And I think a lot of us can probably understand that Everton is at this very present moment in time, a side that is already struggling for attacking options, letting one of its its you know most promising forward players go would feel like it would well, certainly hinder the side, especially after the loss of, of Charleston earlier on in the summer. So obviously the, the interest in Chelsea appears to be persistence. Yeah, we know they put at least one official bid in that's been rejected, and we know that their interest has continued since then. But the minute Lampard is very keen to stress that Gordon is is still his player, he's due to be in the squad for the trip to Brentford tomorrow, uh, and it looks like that they may be some way off the deal. That's not to say that something won't happen. Obviously, a lot can happen in the next few days with the the transfer window, and we know that Chelsea's pockets are, are deep and. And so deep that you would imagine that they would be able to get to a point where 
Everton almost becomes a business decision rather than just a footballing decision. Should Chelsea want to reach that level, whether they do or not, I guess we'll we'll have to see how that plays out. But for the time being, for the weekend at least, Andy Gordon is an Everton player. Mm. I mean, I, I suppose bees it's hard to know the you know exact answer to this question. Yeah. But would you be at all concerned about uh, Gordon at the minute? You know, with you know how long this transfer saga goes on, he's still quite a young player, isn't yeah. he? This will be the first time that he's ever had experience of anything like this and you know the the level of interest that he's receiving you know not just from Chelsea Spurs are also uh, reportedly interested Newcastle have been interested in the past as well there's a big figure over his head right now would you would you have any concerns about you know throwing him straight back into the Brentford starting lineup or are you convinced that you know he's 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 been such a good player forever and he's all he's always shown his you know top desire that you wouldn't be you wouldn't be that bothered about it. I suppose it has to be considered, but at the moment it doesn't seem to be a problem. It, it depends on every individual, and there's been cases in the past where Everton players have been subject to transfer speculation and they've perhaps not been in the right frame of mind to play, or uh, there's been issues there. I mean, there's that infamous one, Julian Lescott, before he went to yes. Manchester City, yeah. he sort of came out with a bit of a swagger like a gunslinger and Everton's came against Arsenal and Everton were promptly spanked 6-1 at home <laughs> and Goodison on the opening day and uh, he was never seen again. Um, so, yeah, the, it can be an issue and it's obviously sort of going to be considered and like you say, being such a young player as well, he, you know, it, it might make that even more difficult for him. But personally, I think with Gordon, I, I haven't seen any hints that it has been a, a problem. Um any sort of um, issues with his performance, I suppose, the first couple of games of the season be more down to where he was being played and he was you know, out of position trying to help the team rather than his head being turned or he wasn't performing because of these um, outside influences. So, no, I, I wouldn't have any qualms. In fact, I hope he does um, start tomorrow. Um, he was left out supposedly because of a heel injury was the official line, but, you know, that's what Frank Lampard said. He said he hadn't trained since the Forest game. And he was only going to use him at Fleetwood if absolutely necessary. So I hope he's back to full fitness, and I hope he's in that that starting lineup because um, whether he's at Everton for another game, another two games, or another season or beyond, um, while he is an Everton player, they're going to be utilising him. I don't see that, that that doesn't seem to have been a problem in terms of his attitude and, uh, like we say, at a time when uh, cr- creativity and uh, inspiration in the final third is lacking, you, you need all that you can get, and uh, Anthony certainly brings that. Well, I think that's uh, that's the big point, isn't it? Really, Joe, that you know, Anthony Gordon is one of Everton's most influential players in that sense. And I mean, there's been a lot of talk about his final product in the uh, in the final third in terms of goals and assists. But even even like right at the start of the summer, he was saying that his goal this season is to try and improve those numbers as much as he can. And you know. Perhaps maybe a little bit of a rested midweek might actually work to his benefit this weekend, might not? Yeah, quite possibly. And I think also an opportunity just to take, sit back and take stock at, uh, of where he is and, and probably where he is um, psychologically as well. Because obviously, you know, a young player who's already come into the season with a huge degree of responsibility and expectation on his shoulders, given how you know how his breakthrough season unfolded last year. You know, there's already a lot of pressure that he was putting on himself to, you know improve his number of assists, improve the number of goals he's scoring. And he can only do that to, to a certain degree by himself. He needs the players around him to help create for him and to help, you know, for him to supply for as well. At the minute, he's not quite getting that at Everton. But I thought one of the things that was quite interesting to watch during Forest game was, 
you know, he was everywhere. He was buzzing around everywhere. That's not to say that he was one of Everton's better players. I'm not making that suggestion, but it felt very much like he was doing everything he could to try and influence that game. And at times that might not have been the most useful thing for him to have done. It felt like almost a bit of a, an emotional performance for yeah. him, you know, whether that be, you know, because he wants to show the Goodison crowd how much he loves them amid all the speculation or whether that be, you know, you could, some people might argue he's trying to be an audition for Chelsea to try and get to put another bid in. I don't know, but you just saw him. He tried to grab hold of the scruff, grab hold of the game by the scruff of the neck and influence it right at the very beginning, right at the very, very end. We saw he had a, you know, several chances and couldn't quite find the end product for them. And, um, you know, it was quite interesting to see how that unfolded. And, you know, I think maybe just having a step back this week, just seeing where his head's at might be a good thing. And, you know, hopefully might be able to utilise and harness his potential a lot more in a more controlled manner, perhaps, you know, should he play against Brentford. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not just outgoing transfers as well. It's incoming transfers mm-hmm. that we've got to discuss. And Bees, you were tuned into Frank Lampard's press conference mm-hmm. this morning as well. And he was uh, he was quite firm with his belief that Everton are going to bring an attacker in before the deadline, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean... That's the news we, we all want to hear, and you know it's the news we wanted to be hearing since the first game of the season. Really, it's a shame it's come this far. Far hard machine. said judges at the end of the window, but there's uh, there's five Premier League games in that aforementioned uh, Carabao Cup tie um, before then. So just hoping that Everton are playing catch up. But yeah, it's become increasingly obvious that Frank's getting as frustrated as the supporters with the you know the, the neat build up play and then that sort of. Um, lack of potency in attack and yeah he can see it as much as anybody and you just hope that, that, that that's the case and that there'll be at least one if not more through, through the door in, in this uh, week or so we, we've got left now because I really do as much as in so many elements of the squad it's much better than last season better football seems to be more controlled more solid at the back if you've not got that that cutting edge in, in the final third you know you really do fear the worst for, for a, going a whole Premier League season or even half a Premier League season without that. And I know that Dominic Calvert-Lewin's on the comeback trail. That was mentioned again now. He's out in the grass and uh, maybe not back in time for the derby, but to be considered for matches before that. But, you know, there's important fixtures before then. And and it's just a shame it's taken so long. But Everton really do need to, to get um, personnel for, through that door and um, somebody you can sort of... Uh, hitting the ground running and, and possibly somebody who could play in a couple of forward positions similar to Richardson. So for when Calvert-Lewin does come back, they could possibly play alongside him as well. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see though, you know, obviously Neil Mopay was, was mentioned, Frank, as he's always done. Um, won't go into specifics about other people's um, players, but whether it's Mopay and, and or one other, you know, anybody would be uh, gratefully received, I think, <laughs> at this stage. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13. I mean, full disclosure, as we record at just gone 20 past three on Friday afternoon, if you're listening later on. 
Uh, Neil Mope is not an Everton player. We don't know whether that's going to change in the few in the very near future or not. You know, there's been multiple reports suggesting that Everton were facing a race against time to actually get him registered before this weekend's game against Brentford. But if we're just speaking generally about Mope, uh, Joe, is he the kind of striker that you'd like to see come in and you know back up to, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, challenge Dominic Calvert-Lewin a little bit? Um, I think he's he's probably part of he definitely strengthens Everton's squad for for a start. Not that that's very difficult going forward at the moment, but certainly when it comes to strikers, you know mm-hmm. he's somebody that comes in. He has scored goals in the Premier League relatively consistently over the last few seasons. You know he's, he's played for, he's been available for for Brighton throughout those seasons, and you know he's somebody that definitely takes Everton forward, and he probably fits into that category as well, where he'll put pressure on and compete with hopefully drive Dominic Calvert-Lewin forward, but it's probably also someone that can exist in a, coexist in a squad with him. You know, you're not buying another huge personality and rather than end up with two strikers that are helping each other out, you end up with two big personalities that are clashing and cancel each other out. That shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a reasonably decent creative force. So, you know, he, he definitely strengthens Everton. I think if you were to say he's the only attacking option that comes in, I think that probably would disappoint a few fans. I think he probably has to be seen as almost part of a package. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Lampard is adamant that a striker will come in. Now, when he says a striker will come in, he may well be looking at uh, Neil Mope, you know, who isn't confirmed as, as, as of yet. Deal might have been done in advance and they just haven't announced it publicly. 12 o'clock was a cut-off point. We haven't heard mm-hmm. anything. I think 3 o'clock today is when they were due to get their flight down to London. So mm-hmm. we haven't heard anything yet on it. So, you know, the chances of him being, having, if he is to sign, the chances of him being available for Brentford are probably pretty slimly. He definitely he definitely improves Everton. I think, judging from where Frank Lampard's at, I think he sees Everton as needing attacking options, plural. So I think that we'll see definitely see one striker in. And I think we may well see opportunities taken for another if one becomes available. Obviously, there are other areas of the squad, midfield included, that, that also need addressing. So whether it, the main priority at the moment is a striker and then it becomes a best of the rest, you know, we look and see what opportunities are there. Is there an opportunity to get another striker or another winger or another midfielder and we choose the best option going forward? Or whether he's thinking striker one, striker two, that's not quite clear. But, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that we'll get at least one striker in. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a second. I think Everton would definitely be open to doing that. Uh, I think there is the money to. I think there is money to spend. Everton don't have to buy to. Uh, Everton don't need to sell to buy at the moment. I haven't got a figure for how much, but Lampard is confident that there is some money available there too uh, for him for, for for a striker. So, you know, Mope fits in with that. Obviously, it looks like it probably be somewhere between 12, 15 million pounds. He's got one year left on his contract at Brighton, but you know, he's Premier League proven, fit and healthy, has scored goals. I mean, all of that takes us takes us forward on what's available at the moment, doesn't it? Which, you know, Rondon tries hard, but for all the chaos and carnage that he can cause when he is on the pitch, one, there's no doubt, he, he can't last 90 minutes, I don't think, playing playing that role top by himself. And two, he's neither, he's he's not ruthless enough to score the goals that would be necessary for Everton to be competitive mm-hmm. if it's just him contributing. So there isn't really a way in which Morpé doesn't... Um, doesn't take Everton forward. He, he represents progress. So I think he's, you know, he might not be a, you know, he might, he might not be a, a landmark striker sign and everyone goes well, but he might be very much in the mold of what Kevin Fowler and Lampard have already done this summer. 
it feels like it's a sensible signing at a sensible price that improves the team. And you just got to hope that that kind of incremental step takes Everton to a point where they're comfortably safe of a relegation battle. Because I think the worry is that while Everton are almost trying to do what they haven't done for six or seven years, what they haven't done under Farhad Mashiri regime is build steadily, we create a solid foundation for future seasons to carry on pushing. And the only danger is that this ends up being a summer where actually a lot of clubs start from a higher base in Everton and are spending more money to take. So so that gradual step by step, you hope it will you hope it'll it'll keep pace with others and overtake other teams. The danger is when you have the likes of Forest and and that spending as much money as they are that actually they move forward at a far quicker rate than Everton and potentially even behind again. That's what we don't want to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're talking just about Mopé's goals, bees, you know, he got 10 goals in his first Premier League season with Brighton, uh, eight each in the last two seasons. As Joe says, it's not exactly mind-blowing no. goal-scoring figures, but I think Everton's problem has been that they have been far too dependent on one player yeah. or maybe potentially two players to be scored on the majority of their goals. Mopé is somebody who can come in and he has proven to be a 10-goal-a-season player in the Premier League. Everton don't really have a lot of, a lot of those 10-goal-a-season players, do they? No, for, for, for various reasons. There's been so many um, goals um, or creativity taking out the, the team this last year or two, and they just need to, to, to find um, solutions to, to that because you just keep taking goals out of the team, taking goals out of the team, and then you, you're left with, you know, solid pros, but then no, no cutting edge. So, yeah, it... it it needs to be like that because, as Joe said, you, you can't really have two superstar strikers in there the way he means these days. I mean, a generation ago, it was all about strike partnerships, but now it tends to be one main man up front or, you know, the supporting cast of the wide strikers alongside them. You don't tend to have two starting strikers and you need somebody who can be come in and do a good job when he, when he's required to. And, you know, it was quite naive to think that Calvert-Lewin with all this injury problems from last season could be depended upon 40 games a season. I mean, I've mentioned already, I'm a bit concerned um, that it hasn't been done already, but, you know, they're at where they're at now with a, a week to go to the transfer window and it is imperative they get them someone in. So I suppose, well, he's not somebody who blow you away and think, wow, that's a marquee signing. Yeah, it is somebody proven quality to a certain extent who can do a job in this division. And I've noticed a few people seem to, uh, I won't um, use this, um, the word that's being banded about, but um, a bit of a, a wind-up merchant. A bit of a snide, to, Yeah, it? when it yeah. comes to, yeah, well said. Um, <laughs> Facebook Live, yeah, we all know uh, the phrase in popular parlance which is used. No, but that can be a good thing. We're just talking about James Sarkovsky, aggressive in the right areas, even Connor Cody. That's what this team has, has lacked in recent years, that that backbone, that aggression, that fighting spirit, which was kind of um, sort of always synonymous with Everton teams. I mean, it was synonymous with playing good football, but they were always aggressive, could take the fight to the opposition when required. And uh, that that can only be a good thing if, he, if, he, if he's got that in his locker as well. Um, and that, uh, that, that's, a, that's a good thing to have to sort of toughen the squad up, really. Mm. And I mean, I suppose I'm dealing with pure speculation here, but let's just say Everton's announcement has just been held mm. up and they did mm. actually get him registered in time to uh, to potentially take part against Brentford tomorrow would you use him from the start no. I think well, he hasn't he hasn't played a minute in Premier League football yet this season he might he might need some uh, some match fitness first well he's another player isn't he that when Frank Lampard is looking around seeing what options are available obviously 
he hasn't got a fully fit side to choose from. And of those that are available, a lot of them are struggling for match fitness. Neil Morpé would be one of those, I think. So and if, if we look at what Frank tends to do, is he tends to be quite cautious in his team selection. So I think that if he was to come in, I don't think that he would start. I think we, I think it would be foolish perhaps to start Gordon again in the false nine position, bearing in mind the struggles that he had in that, in, in that area in the first two games of the season. I think it would probably have to be a case of, even if more pay signs, you probably start with your one recognised fit striker and Rondon up front, and you just hope that he can do a job for an hour and then perhaps bring more pay on for, for a bit of an impact and a bit of ability and hopefully a bit of creativity and a bit of fight with Ellen still in the game. You know, with half an hour to go, that's, I think that's got to be the ambition. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've not got many podcasts to go before transfer deadline day, I suppose, Bees. Let's say Everton do get Mope over the line. Yeah. What do you think then becomes Everton's biggest priority position that they still need to address? Well, given that if you do get Mope over the line, I think it's got to be that defensive midfielder. Um, we'd like to see another attacking player in there, but seeing as it's, it's gone on almost as long as the, the search for the strike, you know, it was when Joe was over in the USA, Frank mentioned the requirement for a number six type player, and then it's been dragging on for all this month. Address the game, will he, won't he? And it's waxed and waned whether he's on the brink of coming or it's all fallen through or it's back on. I mean, it'd be nice to get a, a, an avert, a version of Address the game who was 10 years younger. Mm. Yeah. Because, I mean, personally, I don't think he should ever go back. Uh, he was one of the cases where I would sort of accept that. And, uh, you know, he's proven Premier League quality and he's coming from one of Europe's top clubs at PSG. So at least while he's been playing at a slower pace of football in France, he has been playing at the elite level. Um, So, okay, you know, you could sort of swallow that one. But it would be nicer, again, to sort of get a a younger version of him. Uh, I I don't know whether quite uh, the lad Garner from Manchester United who's been mentioned in, in recent days, whether he would even sort of fall into that category. But, yeah, you need... You, you need somebody in that holding midfield role and that we think that Anana is naturally best deployed a bit further forward. So, yeah, as much as it'd be nice to get two forward players through the door, I think if you get more pay, then that would be the holding midfield that becomes the, the priority then. And somehow try and get rid of those um, sort of players in that area you've been desperately trying to shift off the box all summer of it, you know, Gabamin, who's been linked with the exit now, Andre Gomez, even Alan, uh, they all seem to be surplus to requirements. Uh, that seems to be the problem, isn't it? Shifting those sort of players. Mm. Well, if we're talking about Gabamin, he has been filmed in Turkey, mm. arriving at an airport. So, yeah, he's been strongly linked with a move to Trabs on Sport. Joe, just hasn't worked out for him. No, <laughs> it hasn't. Obviously, another player with a big price tag that, you know, is unfortunately not being able to enjoy success at Everton. Obviously, injury hasn't helped that, but since coming back from that EU, he hasn't been able to establish himself in the first team. And, and that's that's a problem that has, another problem that's landed at Frank Lampard's doorstep now. Obviously, at the moment, you know, we haven't got transfer news announced, but it looks like there's a lot of things that are on the brink of happening. Mm. You know, you've got obviously Deli Ali's just gone to, gone to Turkey. Gabamin's being filmed in Turkey, so you think that that traps on spore move, which looks like it's going to be a loan, is about to happen. And same with Niels and Kunku, who's been pictured with a Cardiff City shirt. So, yes. again, <laughs> you know, that, that hasn't officially been announced, but it looks like he's heading out on, on loan to the, the, the championship as well. So, you know, I think that it's, I've got no doubt it's going to be a busy week. Uh, so, those players mentioned are probably about to, to go out. Looks like it's probably going to be on loan. I've got 
no doubt that they'd accept bids for, for Gomez, who hasn't been seen since America. Uh, I say, he, was actually, he was actually in training. Yeah. Pictured, pictures in training. Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I spoke too soon because when I was at Finch yeah. Farm earlier, I saw him turn up in his car. So, <laughs> so hasn't been seen might be a little bit much. But, um, but you know, he, he, he picked up an injury in America and hasn't been seen on the pitch for Everton since then. And you have to look at that. And, you know, I, I, I said, I've got no doubt that they'd take bids for him. And Alan's an interesting one as well. Again, you know, he struggled with injury at the back end of last season, struggled with injury over the summer, made to bench against Forest, but didn't get on last week. All of a sudden just disappeared completely from the squad uh, for Fleetwood at a time when days earlier, Lampard had been very clear that this is a time Fleetwood is a game for minutes for players yeah. that he considers in his first team who need match fitness. And, you know, he wasn't there. Obviously, Tom Davis gets injured in the warmer. And, you know, it's Damari Gray that comes in. It's not Alan Clowns, not even on the bench. I think that's quite telling, I think. So whether or not he does get moved, I don't know. But again, it looks like they would probably be open to, to business if someone's come that way. I think you know, going back to what you asked Chris about what needs to be done, I think probably if we if we work on the basis that a striker is, 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 is relatively imminent, I think this weekend probably just needs to be going through sorting out what is currently the loose ends and the two loose ends at the minute to me seem to be Anthony Gordon and Idrissa Gay. You know, what is happening with, with both of them? You know, Idrissa Gay has gone on for weeks and weeks and weeks now. You know, whatever the issue is, it's clearly an issue at some point. We've got to move on from that because they can't just, if it hasn't been done yet, there's got to be a worry that they get strong all the way up till the end of, of, of the, the transfer window that eventually the deal doesn't get done and that number six doesn't come in because they don't look at other targets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think they really need, and I'm, with with Chris, I'd rather them see. I'd rather them see go see them go for a, a younger player. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather them go for someone like James Garner, who looks like he'd be available at a reasonable price. Um, you know, he would be one of a number of younger players that look like they'd be able to grow under Frank Lampard, grow together whilst having a bit of a spine of like some more experienced Cody, Tarkovsky, Pickford, Coleman around them, which which I think would be really exciting and promising if you're an Everton fan and you're watching that going forward. Um, so, and then obviously the other loose end being Anthony Gordon at some point, you know, there's got to be a line in the sand drawn and, you know, it'll only be Everton and, and Chelsea that can do that. But if there is a price that Everton are willing to accept, that accept if, if there is a, if there is a limit, they've probably just got to say to Chelsea, is the limit, pay it or, or go. And we want to be having this conversation, maybe a Saturday, Sunday, maybe Monday, not Wednesday night going into Thursday, because, you know, say for instance, I mean, Lampard dismissed the idea of a £60 million bid having been made today. Well, say £60 million comes in, there's a hell of a lot of difference in value for that £60 million to Frank Lampard if it comes, if it be, it's made available, if a percentage of that is made available to him on Sunday compared to if it is on Wednesday afternoon with you know, 24 hours left of the, of the transfer deadline. So, you know, Lampard needs to know what he's working with. That's only fair, and I think that's a fair expectation of the board for him to know what he's going in after the Leeds game. Uh, you know what what is what the crux of his squad's going to be and how he builds around it. So if he can resolve those, so however they work out, if he can get some certainty, well then he can perhaps look at where else he needs to go. Obviously, yeah, centre midfield and forward options are both huge. Both 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 need addressing. So we'll we'll see where we go. But you know, I, I hope there's a second striker coming mm-hmm. uh, kind of echo some more Chris has said. I think it Dominic Calvert-Lewin is Dominic Calvert-Lewin is a good enough player who has scored enough goals at the Premier League level for it to be reasonable for Lampard and others at Everton to think that if he is fit, 
he is enough to do a good job and he can score enough goals to make Evan competitive this season. Unfortunately, he's had enough injuries over the past year for there also to be that doubt for it. So, you know, if they were to rely solely on him, it would be complacent. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, I don't think they can take that risk, especially last season we saw what happens if you have a squad that's too threadbare, mm-hmm. if you don't have options, if you don't cater for injuries. Injuries where they were unfortunate with injuries last season. They've been unfortunate with injuries again this season. But they can't they can they can't allow that to be an excuse if they struggle this season with injuries, haven't had the lessons of last year. So you know, I would like to see I'd like to see two strikers, you know, say if, if Malpe comes in. I don't see an issue with and obviously personalities are key, and I don't know that. And I don't know a lot about Ben Brereton Diaz, but you know, he's someone else who's been linked. The type of money that's being you know suggested for him, you know, you know, 10, 15 million pounds again. Feels it's a lot of money, but mm-hmm. in this modern age, it feels like a relatively low risk gamble. Mm-hmm. If he comes in and he's your third choice striker and it doesn't work out all right, it's a shame, but he at least gives you the option as you know, he's still quite young, he can score goals at a certain level. You know, why not try and if if Dominic Calvert Lewin stays fit, bangs in 25 goals this season, Neil Morpe comes in, scores eight, and Ben Brereton Diaz doesn't get a game, you know. Fair enough, and you know, no problem. At least they had the backup, but obviously we can't necessarily rely on Calvert Lewin being fit all season. Already missed the first five or six games of this one. By the time he comes back, you know, Neil Morpe, it'll be a lot of pressure on him to do that by himself. Ben Brereton Diaz might be a low risk option to come in with someone, and you know, he might get ten goals for us this season if he need if needed. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, I've got no doubt that the, uh, the transfer window will do its usual thing and uh, throw up some surprises in its final days. But, Bees, we've got a match to talk about, haven't we? Let's talk about yeah. Everton against Brentford at the weekend. Well, Brentford v Everton, uh, as Everton travel down to uh, to West London. Uh, Brentford are good, aren't they? <laughs> they they've, yeah, start, I mean, they've started the season quite well. Yeah, tell that to Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, they did excellent last season, and, and then you just thought, not particularly because of anything that Brentford had done, but just that from the lessons of history, there's, there just seems a sort of classic side who, who might suffer from second season syndrome. Saw it recently with Sheffield United, albeit that was during lockdown, and they just say not having those crowds in Bramall Lane may have played a big part in their relegation, but it happens so many times. The team goes up, they're euphoric, you have a good first season. And they find it really hard the second season, especially somebody like Christian Eriksen going, and they think, "Oh, it'd be tough for them." But no, they've started um, very well again, and uh, they, they certainly they, they, they're a tough, direct outfit, and you know what you're going to get with them. You're going to get a battle going down there, and yeah, it's going it's it's going to be difficult. It, um, strange old mix of games against Brentford last season. Um, the one nil with the the bizarre penalty, wasn't it? Was it Andros Townsend um, yes. in the league? And then they turned them over. Everton turned them over four one in the FA Cup. Franks 
first game and then um, the bizarre one at the end of the season <laughs> when Everton could have got themselves safe and then lost 3-2 and yeah. uh, Brathwaite and um, Rondon both saw red. So, yeah, <laughs> some crazy old games against them and, uh, you know, yeah, you know you're going to be in a battle, you know it's going to be tough. They know exactly what they're doing. I, I, I've been down to that stadium, not, not actually for an Everton game, but when I was doing the piece on the new Premier League stadium ahead of obviously Everton Stadium being built now last season. I went down, watched um, them and I went down to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And uh, yeah, they yeah, they can certainly whip up um, a lot of uh, noise in that ground. Mm-hmm. I think Frank said today in his press, it's perfect for them really, yeah. that sort of stadium. So yeah, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy um, at all. And uh, if anything, yeah, I'm going to be really up against it. Maybe if you were playing them later in the season, you might be might be more confident but yeah you know you're going to be in for a battle tomorrow mm. I think what particularly caught my eye with Brentford especially against Manchester United Joe was the off the ball work and how much the the high press really really mm. hurt Manchester United they seem to have this you know when when weirdly they said that they kept taking short goal kicks and trying to build out from the back Brentford were just giving them absolutely no time on the ball and Everton have got this this style of play so far this season where they have been trying to build mm. a little bit more often from the back. Do you think you abandoned something like that, seeing how well Brentford did against Manchester United with it? Do you or do you just stick to your guns, trust in players like Cody and Tarkovsky to to have the uh, to have the right skills to be able to play through that press? But you've got to be careful. I think one thing that Everton can't do at the minute is 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 give away goals. They can't afford to to be their own worst enemy and playing out from the back against this Brentford. Well, certainly the way they played against Manchester United, you know, would obviously be be, be quite dangerous. We talk about styles of play and, and Everton do look to try and build from the back quite a bit. But one thing that we saw so potently at the, um, at the end of the Forest game was Jordan Pickford's distribution and the ability there. If you have a side that's going, you know, high press, and we saw this a little bit when when um, Everton played Liverpool at Anfield at the back end of last season. Actually, if you come up against a side that's high pressing, someone like Jordan Pickford has the ability to to almost bypass that first line of forward press. And to if you're confident enough to keep players forward and keep them into space, then, you know, you can perhaps almost... You know, leapfrog that first line of whatever you call it, a tackle defence from Brentford and then start to cause them problems. So that could be quite an interesting debate as to how Lampard sees it. And it almost might be a situation in which it becomes, uh, if Everton can get a foothold in the game in the first place, it might be a situation where you can see which team is better at adapting to their plan B. You know, if ever, if you know, a Brentford better, uh, is Brentford adapting to their plan B if they abandon the high press or are Everton better at Going to their plan B if they, you know, use Pickford's distribution. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Obviously, they have a lot of intensity, you know, and to have a lot of intensity. Brentford are one of those sides that just, you know, they're a bit like Brighton, and then you know they have good players, they have technically technically good players. They also just do the basics well. You know, they also just do the basics well. They're fit, they're agile. You know, they you know, they get stuck in. They try really hard, and that sounds like a kind of just really cliche terms, but it does matter, you know. It does have, you know, those are the building blocks from which you can, you know, you, you, you can build further success on. And it's almost through not having the ability to to play the simple game well that you see the likes of Manchester United crumble because, yeah, you know, they're they're almost just like an absolute mess of a of, of a puzzle with with no with no strategy. And the the well organized sides can just exploit that easily. 
one thing ever, and I think are increasingly under Lampard is, is organised, but their fitness level is going to be really tested tomorrow. And if they're in a situation where, say, you know, you look at that starting lineup and you're thinking, well, Rondon probably starts, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't give you a lot in terms of mobility up front. He's not someone that's always going to be hounding their centre backs or, you know, their full backs to, you know, make sure that they don't have much time on the ball. You look at centre midfield, well, Alex Wobey's probably going to, Alex has been brilliant. You know, he's so versatile that you can no longer say that he's being played out of position. Yeah. You know, despite him not traditionally being a central midfielder, he walked into that side. You know, he's one of the first names on that team sheet, of course he is. But alongside him, you look at the options that they're going to have if they have, whether they play two or three in centre midfield. Well, Onana is, you know, young, inexperienced, still gaining match fitness. That's what I'm going to Tom Davis. If he starts, he's coming back off the latest injury concern of a series of injury concerns. So, you know, if Alan comes in, it'll be the first time he started in a game since, you know, going well back into into last season. So that's the concern for me. It's almost less about tactics and more about fitness because if Everton are aside tomorrow where they're name a starting lineup and they've got three or four players at perhaps 75%, especially bearing in mind how limited the options are on the bench, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to compete. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing they haven't got a, a game against another intense team a few <laughs> days later, away from home, rather. But, <laughs> but uh, just before we wrap up, uh, we'll get some score predictions from the lads, of course. Start with you, Bees. Yeah, we've said all this and we doom and gloom, but no, I think what would be a positive result would be uh, 1-1. I'd take that now, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, just checking my emails and messages <laughs> and things like that, and and no, as I say, as we you know approaching what well, we quarter to four now, there's been no official confirmation of there of anyone, <laughs> so uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be any additional firepower tomorrow. Um, I yeah, like, your predictions at home. Yeah. <laughs> do, it, do it yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go hopeful and go for you know, you know what actually, I'm going to be optimistic and, and I'm going to say that. That Brentford game at the back end of last season had the potential to be so important for Everton. Mm. Yeah, that had the potential to be the Crystal Palace game that followed the next, you know, a couple of days later. And so much went wrong. So much <laughs> went wrong. I still have nightmares about Rondon. I still have nightmares. You know, Everton are, are three two down in a must must not lose game. Already down to ten men. Uh. He comes on. Launches a two-footed tackle into one of them within minutes of coming on, it, and then can then claps the fans as he as he runs off the pitch. Like it just it's just mind blowing in, in the way I do that. So so I'm I'm going to go somehow ever. I'm going to go two one to ever, and the luck comes back, karma comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, a dodgy sending off or a dodgy penalty or ever. Ever get a foothold in the game, and they just about manage to exploit it. Uh, that's that's what I'm going for. You know. It's, it's, I'm putting my faith in luck rather than logic, but I'm going for an Everton win. Okay. I'll also go for an Everton win right. then. It's a throw, we said. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. One nil. Rondon win. Just to calm your nightmares. That's it. For the foreseeable future. But, Joe, it'll be me and you down, it will be. down in London tomorrow and too. Long down the trains. Well, well, long down the trains, yeah. But hopefully we'll be seeing and Everton win and hopefully we'll have at least a, a nice journey back <laughs> we're owed one I think I think we are we'll <laughs> certainly owed one but uh, yeah that's all we've got time for today thank you again for tuning in if you've been tuning in on Facebook Live or whether you're tuning in on your usual podcast apps thank you very much uh, we'll be back soon this has been the Royal Blue Podcast
You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.